48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. A former minister warns protests will keep getting more violent the longer the government sits on the fence. A co-founder of the Occupy Central movement calls for a general amnesty for protesters and police. And an academic says he's worried that the worsening unrest could result in serious injury or even death. Former Transport and Housing Minister Anthony Chung has warned if the government continues to sit on the extradition bill controversy, violence will escalate and could end indirect intervention by the central government, which no one wants to see. He told a radio programme that if the government did nothing, it would be difficult for negotiations to start as there would be no basis for mutual trust. Mr Chung was one prominent figure taking part in Saturday's closed-door meeting with the chief executive, Carrie Lam, who's gathering views on how to set up a platform for dialogue. He suggested a complete withdrawal of the extradition bill and an independent inquiry into the saga as a start. A co-founder of the Occupy Central movement, Benny Tai, has called on the government to grant a general pardon to protesters and police who've been involved in clashes as a way out of the current impasse. Earlier this month, Professor Tai was freed from prison pending an appeal over public disorder charges linked to the Occupy movement five years ago. He says the platform for dialogue proposed by the Chief Executive Carrie Lam won't work as this top-down approach can't address the concerns of Hong Kong people. He also says police shouldn't take all the blame for the escalation of violence at protests. I think they are put into very difficult positions. They have orders from their seniors. It's inevitable that there might be situations of misuse of their powers. And surely they may still have to be responsible for their acts. But I think we can try to understand that what really causes that. And therefore, that's a reason why I think a general pardon for everyone involved in, the, uh, in this movement, including protesters and police officers. An academic says he fears a fatal or serious injury could occur if the situation in Hong Kong continues. Yesterday, police used new water cannon vehicles for the first time in the city's history and fired a warning shot with live ammunition. Professor Paul Yip from the University of Hong Kong's Department of Social Work and Social Administration says it's unfair that police are being forced to settle what's actually a political crisis. Somehow, it is very unfortunate the Hong Kong government make the Hong Kong police to try to settle a Major police union is urging the force to review its present strategy for handling protests, which it says emphasises dispersing protesters and only allows them to use a relatively lower level of force in the face of what it called some protesters' potentially lethal violence, although it didn't offer specific suggestions. The statement by the Junior Police Officers Association, which represents officers below the rank of inspector, condemned protesters who it said were increasingly, increasingly violent over the weekend. Democratic Party lawmaker Andrew Wan was at the Chunwan protests yesterday. He says the clashes between police and protesters were of the police's own making. He also says the clashes which prompted the gun-pulling incident only happened because of the protesters' anger surrounding the police's selective law enforcement. During the rally in the process, uh, the police already blocked the uh, Yangok Road and they caused the, the uh, forthcoming uh, conflict and uh, it simply provoking the uh, protester. 
some uh, protesters were very angry about uh, 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 the life attack happened in Chinwan before. And it seems uh, the police so far uh, has done nothing to arrest the suspect and to arrest the attackers. That's why uh, the protester had such a, you know, you can, you can say a revenge action. Uh, the government and the police should bear the main responsibility, and they cause such a, a hatred among the people. The chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions says she plans to stage a protest at Cathay Pacific City on Wednesday against the company's recent dismissal of several staff over protest-related incidents. Carol Ng, who's also a member of the Cabin Crew Federation, says she wanted to hold the protest today, but police haven't responded to her application. She says it'll be peaceful action that won't affect flights. At the moment, we still couldn't get the um, no objections approval. And uh, the other way around, we asked the police, could you just tell us or precisely issue us an objection? And again, they're reluctant to do so. They just verbally tell us then it's unlikely to issue you a no objections approval during this injunction period. So we further think about to let those being dismissed and let those colleagues able to come to express their support. We still carry on to apply for another day. Around a dozen taxi drivers have parked outside government headquarters at Tamar to lobby for subsidies in light of the unrest. Some of them say the protests have resulted in a 30 to 40% drop in their income. The group urged the government to subsidise them for free petrol for a month. They also said the financial secretary left them out of his $19 billion relief package announced earlier. Peter Law is from the Motor Transport Workers General Union. If there's a free petrol, then the cost of our operation of the taxi will be reduced. That means uh, our monthly income of every taxi driver roughly will increase by about $2,600. And that means uh, it will help a lot, a lot of our taxi drivers. The main effect of the protest is the road blood. And on the other hand, we have a lot less tourists come to Hong Kong. The less people to have the uh, motivation to come out for dinner, etc., etc. That's why we know where the taxi drivers, if low people on the street, how come we, we, we provide services? The Hong Kong Journalists Association says it's not responsible for a guideline for reporters covering the extradition protests. The so-called Easy Digest bears the association's name and logo and has been circulated on social media and messaging platforms. It says reporters should point their cameras only at police and stand between officers and protesters to stop police advancing. The association says this is inconsistent with its own code of conduct and reserved the right to take action against misleading behaviour. Police in Tibet say 10 Hong Kong students were detained at an Everest base camp because one of their number broke local laws by flashing a piece of paper reading Liberate Hong Kong. Tibetan police said on Weibo the student admitted wrongdoing and they released the group two days later. Overseas now, U.S. officials at the G7 summit in Biarritz in France have expressed surprise at yesterday's unscheduled visit by Iran's Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif. They said the American delegation accompanying Mr. President Trump had been given no prior warning. The French officials insisted they had informed participants, albeit at the last minute. Dr. Sanam Vakil is an Iranian analyst from the Chatham House think tank. She believes the visit could help ease tensions between Tehran and Washington. 
this very much flies in the face of the Trump administration's maximum pressure unilateral policy against Iran that has not really been effective in changing Iran's behavior or facilitating new negotiations. But this does suggest that there are debates taking place within this administration, um, and we'll just have to see how things are going to bear out. Police in the U.S. state of California say a sheriff's deputy who claimed he was shot by a sniper made up the whole attack. A massive a massive manhunt was launched in the city of Lancaster last Wednesday after the officer Angel Reynosa said he'd been wounded. But now the deputy has admitted that the gunman never existed. At a news conference, Kent Wegner said from the Homicide Bureau said a number of things in Mr. Reynosa's story didn't add up. There was no ballistic evidence in the parking lot at all. There were no bullets recovered from the uh, point of impact. There were no cars struck by gunfire. There were many people that were in the vicinity, both in the parking lot and in the uh, apartment complex, who, who didn't hear any shots. The Bolivian president, Evo Morales, is facing increasing criticism from environmentalists for his slow response to a series of wildfires that have already destroyed more than a million hectares of the Chiquitano forest close to Brazil. Mr Morales, who's standing for re-election in October, said he was now prepared to accept international help. Nobody is banning voluntary, spontaneous cooperation to those who want to help. I've instructed the Ministry of Defence and the Ministry of Foreign Relations to see how they can be of help to put out these fires that continue to appear in the area of Robore and Chiquitania. Seven people, including two children, have been killed in a collision between a helicopter and a light aeroplane on the Spanish island of Mallorca. Local government officials say there were no survivors. Here's the BBC's Andy Moore. The collision happened early this afternoon near the hospital in the northern town of Inca. Pictures from the scene showed wreckage, some of it burnt out, scattered across the area. The regional government said two people were on board a microlite, the other victims were in the helicopter. The Spanish acting Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez expressed solidarity and sympathy with the victims of what he called a tragic accident. The underground bunker that served as a command centre for the French resistance in Paris has opened as a museum to mark the 75th anniversary of the city's liberation from the Nazis. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. It's taken four years to prepare this new home for the 25-year-old resistance museum. The entrance is opposite the city's most famous underground attraction, the catacombs. The tunnels were dug in the same ancient chalk pits, concealed beneath an 18th-century tollgate lodge. It was the command post for Colonel Roll, the resistance commander who coordinated the uprising in August 1944 that persuaded the Allies to recapture rather than bypass Paris. On view are the 250 telephone lines and the bicycle generator that powered the installation. Finance now, and the euro is trading at $1.11. The yen is trading at 104.27 to the dollar, and the pound is worth 9.62 Hong Kong dollars. Hong Kong stocks dived more than 3% in the first few minutes of trade after Donald Trump ramped up his trade route with China, and the city was hit by fresh violent protests over the weekend. The director of Ample Asset Management, Alex Wong, says the market is stabilising now, but the long-term prospects are negative. I think uh, today probably we had already seen the low. We probably may just stabilise and consolidate. But there will not be too much upside from here, and then the risk remains on the downside. So, um, the longer-term prospect, of course, uh, remains negative. 
And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,417. That's 761 points down from the previous close. Turnover was $58.3 billion. And now to the sport. Here's Joanna Wong. The Ashes series remains alive after England made one of the most dramatic comebacks in cricketing history. The home side who looked dead and buried as they chased a second innings total of 359 were still 73 runs behind as their ninth wicket fell yesterday, putting tail-ender Jack Leach in alongside Ben Stokes. But you can never count England out when Stokes is at the crease. And his brilliant 135 not out clinched victory. Stokes says the key was never giving up. It's never over till it's over. When we were nine down and we still needed 70, it's pretty obvious what, what needed to be done. I only really got a little bit nervy when I got down to the under 10, to be honest, because it was a bit, what do I do here? But I just tried to back what I was doing before to, to get me there. And you know, I had my pitching wedge, you know, just perfectly, perfect distance today, just creeping over the line. For Australia, it was a shock defeat, having bowled England out for just 67 in their first innings. But their captain, Tim Payne, says they won't dwell on the result. Ben Stokes played one of the great innings, as I just said to the boys then. It's, it's got a sting, there's no doubt about that. Um, however, we've just got to keep trusting the process um, that we've got in place to win test matches. Um, we were very, very close. It took one of the great innings is to beat us, so that's a positive thing. Um, we're on the right track and we've got two more opportunities to win the Ashes. In football, Newcastle boss Steve Bruce is celebrating his first victory as manager of his hometown club, which pulled off a shock 1-0 victory at Spurs thanks to Jolington's first goal in English football. Spurs striker Sun Hyung-ming says he feels personally responsible for his side's defeat. The Korean frontman playing his first game of the season after a ban for a red card said he felt he blew a couple of quality chances. I'm really, really disappointed. Of course, I'm glad to be back on the pitch, but yeah, it feels like... Uh... It's all my fault so because yeah, we had a uh, great result in the first two games and yeah, as soon as when I come back. So it feel, feels like it, but I think uh, the player saw in the change room really, really disappointed face and yeah, seems like me and how should I say more? Elsewhere, Manchester City beat Bournemouth 3-1 to maintain their unbeaten start to the season. And Amala knew Raul Jimenez scored a stoppage-time penalty to salvage a point for Wolves and deny Burnley victory. But the 1-0 result means Burnley move above Spurs into sixth place. Golf, Rory McIlroy fired a 4-under-66 to win the PGA Tour Championship and claimed a 15 million U.S. dollar FedEx Cup jackpot. The Northern Ireland star won the Tour title for the second time after world number one Brooks Kepka suffered a final round collapse on Atlanta's East Lake Golf Course. McIlroy finished the tournament on 18-under, four shots clear of Sander Chauvelet, who posted a closing 70. Such a cool way to end what has been for me a great season. Uh, you know, I'll look back on this season and... Uh... You know, there's been a lot of good things that I've done and, you know, try to improve for next year again. McElroy now joins Tiger Woods as the only player to win the FedEx Cup twice. And that's your look at sport. And that's the news from RTHK.